WBNE. Hello from elsewhere. I'm Valerie. And I'm Casey. And welcome to the podcast where we explore characters, themes, and symbolism in pop culture. This episode comes to you straight from The Good Place. Because today we're talking about The Good Place. Welcome. Everything is fine. <laughs> See, I'm so excited about this episode. I am ecstatic. I am so excited for this. This has been a long time coming. Like oh. a year, basically. Yes. Um, We've been wanting to talk about The Good Place ever since we started watching The Good Place. Yeah. But you kind of have to wait and see where it goes. Yep. And uh, I guess before we get, get any further, we should clarify there will be oodles of spoilers. Spoilers aplenty. Please stop right now if you haven't seen The Good Place. Go watch it. It's on Netflix and it's fantastic. And yep. there's four seasons. Four seasons. Complete beginning, middle, and end. Please go watch it. I don't want you to get spoiled. It's really important to me. If you give me one gift, give me the gift of not spoiling yourself on The Good Place. <laughs> That's all I want from life. Exactly. That's because, all we need. Because even our even our all important question, it could be spoilery. So Yep. Our all important question is this comes from Robin, a sprinkle wizard of elsewhere. She says, What would your houses look like in the fake good place, i.e. the bad place? Spoiler number one. <laughs> so our houses that we think are meant to be are good for us, but are actually kind of torturing us. What would what would a house that would subtly be torturing you be like? I think mine would honestly be Tahani's house. Really? That massive mansion is like my worst nightmare. But you're like, oh, everybody wants a mansion in heaven, so you get a mansion in heaven. And I would just feel so... Like, I don't like the idea of there being dozens and dozens of rooms in your house that you don't even know what's going on in them. Yeah. You don't know who's there. You could have... A squatter living in your east wing and never know. Also, if I, if this, you know, was the good place, but somehow it didn't like magically clean my home and I had to clean this gigantic house all the time, that is definitely my good bad place. Because everybody's like, oh, I want a mansion, but I really, really do not want a mansion. (laughs) So that would torture you having a mansion. (laughs) Plus, it's like so showy. It makes sense for Tahani's character. Yeah. She has this giant house. I love Eleanor's little house next to it. Like, honestly, I love Eleanor's house. Oh, yeah. Other than the clown paintings. Sans clowns, it would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose we'd need a couple extra rooms in case our kids can, you know, visit us in the afterlife. But otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I love her little house. But yeah, Tahani's house would be like my nightmare. What's your answer, Casey? My house would be something that's like, I I would think it's haunted, but not like overtly haunted. It's not like it's some dilapidated house that you go inside and you hear ghosts and see, you know, demons in the mirror. But just, I would just get the feeling like it's haunted, but I wouldn't be able to explain it to anybody and no one would believe me. It would be that. Plus there would be an aviary somewhere, like just birds. (laughs) Um, Like when Chidi has a pet owl? Yeah. No, no thanks. That would be, that would be my good bad place house. Bad good bla- good place house. However you want to say that, it would have an aviary for sure. I think that's similar in the well, not the aviary part. Although I really don't want one of those either. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the that's one of the things I don't like about the mansion is there's just all these empty rooms all the time. Like that's creepy to me. Yeah. Like what do you? What, yeah. Like I said, you don't even know Probably what's going haunted. on there. Probably haunted. <laughs> it's so big. 
space for all kinds of spirits there. We love the questions that we get from our patrons. And uh, you can submit your all-important questions when you become a sprinkle wizard of elsewhere. Casey, I love that name. <laughs> it's a great tier. It's probably my favorite tier name. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Swashbuckler is pretty great. Robot they're Overlord of Elsewhere is pretty great. Yeah, they're all fun. I like them all. But you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere. Well. So it's not just the final episode we want to talk about. When you start wrapping it up, when they head to heaven or to the good place. Yep. They never call it heaven. They head to the good place and they realize that everything's kind of off. So starting at that point, which is... Is that the third episode from the last? Second to last Second episode. Second to last episode. Um, is what then, we're talking about. So there's Patty, which is the penultimate episode. And then there's yes. Whenever You're Ready, which is the series finale. So we're going to be talking about those two episodes in particular today. Which Patty is a normal 22-minute episode. Yeah. The finale is 52 and a half minutes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> to be precise. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yes. So yeah, Patty. We're talking about Patty first. Team Cockroach, as they're want to call themselves. They arrive in the good place um, and they're so excited. But then they learn that this this heaven, this paradise is a bit too perfect. And, you know, you can have wh- whatever you want, whenever you want. And at the same time, it's not everything that they thought it would be. Right. Like Chidi is so excited to meet Hypatia. Mm-hmm. of alexandria <laughs> how do you get the of in your name as eleanor asks and she it takes her a while to even start speaking to them coherently and she talks about uh as eleanor puts it like they all be- have become like happiness zombies yeah and it's not as great of a place as they wanted it to be yeah at first when they get there eleanor calls it perfect but i think this shows is positing that eternal perfection is not ideal which is so interesting because the show is all about them trying so, so hard to get to the good place. And then they're finally here in the second to last episode. And you're like, well, where, what's the show going to do now? And the show decides, well, the good place isn't actually that great. <laughs> um, or it's too great. And and yeah, like you said, they become happiness zombies. Is that what you said? Yes, that's um, what Eleanor calls them. Or um, Tahani calls them joyless husks, which is great too. Um, Another good one. That this idea that if you have everything you want whenever you want that it gets boring really fast or like jason says um you know he says go-karting with monkeys got boring really fast <laughs> <laughs> right they thought for sure that would keep jason happy for a while but it does not i like that it brings up the point that the ending the end place that they you know the place that they end up at the good place is just as important as the rest of the journey like if they yeah. get there and they can't continue to progress and learn like they've been doing then it is pointless like there has to be some kind of um you know things to learn and grow and do but then your desire to accomplish those things is often driven by a deadline like we need deadlines to encourage us that's how i am with basically anything in my life i don't finish it unless it's like oh i give myself deadlines like oh i'm gonna finish this by christmas or i'm going to <laughs> yeah read this many books in a year or whatever the deadline is you have those ideas that you set up and if you have no reason if things aren't going to end uh, then you have no reason to try like you're like oh there's time for those of us who are procrastinators it's like oh well now i have <laughs> endless time yeah i could sit here and scroll the world's instagram still for forever right. and still have endless time <laughs> Which is just a sad existence because you're not actually accomplishing anything. Right. Like it calls into idea the idea of 
you know, the journey is more important than the destination, which the show's not really saying that's not true, but it's saying that definitionally the journey, the word journey really doesn't exist in a way without an ending, that the ending is what defines it, that gives it its structure and um, value. Uh, I think that, you know, the key idea that's presented in this episode is that we've hinted at it already that no end is a bad thing, which is really interesting and really fun to explore in the last two episodes here. Yes. I love that you're getting to the end of this whole show and you've been on this whole giant journey and you're like, oh, finally, they got to the good place. We can breathe easy, which is how they're feeling too. And you can't because it's not as good as they wanted the good place to be. I like the idea that even a so-called perfect ending isn't going to be perfect. There will still be flaws in the system and they fix them best they can. But even then you have to eventually say goodbye to other people that you love. And so that's still challenging. Like there's, I think the idea of perfect is unattainable in the good place just as much as it is on earth. Yeah. I really like how, um, sorry, did you have more to say about that? Oh, I was also just going to mention that Eleanor mentions that like she talks about vacations and how vacations are only special because you know they're going to end. Yeah, I love that line. I like the line from Patty as well. She says, anything is possible and you do everything and then you're done, but you still have infinity left. I think that sums up the... It's like you can still have an existential crisis even in the good place. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Also, it's interesting that Michael, he remembers what Eleanor told him back in season two, which the episode they're mentioning where Michael has an existential crisis... It's a really good one to pair with these final episodes because uh, it's all about um, Michael facing the existence of an ending of mortality. But he says every human, you know, he's saying this, quoting what Eleanor told him. Every human is a little bit sad all the time because they know they're going to die. In other words, it's it's human to know some sort of change or end is coming. And that's sort of what gives value to the present right that's what gives life meaning is knowing that you only have so much time and what can you accomplish in that time which i was um thinking about that episode that they were mentioning it's from season two and another moment in that episode chidi is talking about michael who you know is an immortal being and chidi says look if you live forever then ethics don't matter to you because basically there's no consequences for your actions you tell a lie who cares wait a few trillion years the guilt will fade before I can teach Michael to be good, I have to force him to think about what we used to think about. That life has an end, and therefore our actions have meaning. So, again, the end is what gives things meaning. So then, um, you know, t- toward the end of the episode, where they've all discovered the good place isn't so great, Eleanor, who's, you know, the, the savior figure of the whole series, she has this light bulb moment, and she decides, well, let's let people leave the good place. Um, and that's when she says that line, the you know, vacations are only special because they end. So then they set up a final portal, like a last door, and whenever the good, pr- good place residents are ready, they can walk through the door to move on, after which nobody really knows what happens. It's all a mystery. Did you say they know that it'll be peaceful? It's about all they know. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else and to say about Patty? Everybody seems Patty? to really be excited by that idea. Yeah, they're all partying yes <laughs> they're like okay that makes sense Bring do what i joy. want now and then yeah it is interesting though because i do think we have this idea as humans that when you get to the good place the afterlife um like chidi he gets there and he's like oh well what great philosophers made it in who can i talk to yeah and he really wants to speak to you know hypatia there would be when you got to the good place there would be people who you wanted to like meet up with who had already moved on mm. 
That's true. You'd have to talk to people they knew and get to know them yes. more. So it wouldn't be a endless, gigantic, meet anybody you ever wanted to kind of place. Right, because Shakespeare's already gone through the door. So. Yeah. After Tempest later. 2, there it blows again. Yeah. <laughs> he left. <laughs> they mentioned that in the finale, so are we ready to talk about the finale? I think so. Okay. I think you have to know how the good place was working and how they've fixed that problem. Yeah. So that we know as we move into the finale episode. Right. Yeah, Patty's... What we're expecting The here. episode Patty's a really good introduction to this idea, this theme of endings is what gives things value and they are a necessity, a great necessity. So Yes. I need to mention that uh, a lot of what I'm going to, some background information that I want to bring up, um, comes from The Good Place, the podcast, which if you love the show and you love behind the scenes things, you should 100% go listen to The Good Place, the podcast. It is hosted by Mark Evan Jackson, who plays Sean, and he is a fantastic host. But sometimes they'll have, they have everybody on, but they'll have like cast members on, and then they'll have prop designers, or you know, the props department, or they'll have editors, and they've had Michael Schur, the creator of the show, on multiple times. But I especially listen to his, uh, they do a two-part, a two-episode finale of the podcast that has, so it's like two hours of Michael Schur talking about the ending of The Good Place with Mark Evan Jackson. That's fantastic. And, oh, one of the directors, I don't remember his name. Drew Goddard? Yes. Goddard? Drew, Drew Goddard. Goddard. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Way to go, buddy. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, for example, since we're going to talk about the finale, we have to talk about the final door. Okay, talk about the final door. What do you know? So the final door, they were scouting, and they're like, okay, we need like a really peaceful forest, right? And they were like already over budget at this point because, as we see in the final episode, they go to Greece and Paris. So they had to take, you know, at least some of their cast all the way to Europe. And then, um, but then they were, so they were just scouting like around L.A. to find a forest, a grove of trees, something. And they just decided that nothing feels as majestic and peaceful as a redwood forest grove. So they had to go to Northern California. But they're not in the actual redwood forest. They're in like a redwood grove that's kind of near San Francisco, they were saying, kind of in the Bay Area. I'm wondering if it's that same one that I've been to, Casey. I'm like 90% sure. It just has to be. Or the one where they filmed Parks and Rec, (laughs) probably. Right. That moment in Parks and Rec. Also possible. That wasn't the one I went to, though. Darn. Tragic. I know. But so the idea was that these trees have been around forever and they feel like they will be around forever past humanity. So they're, and it's just such a majestic place. But what's really funny is that the arch that they have, uh, that people will walk through when they're, when they're done and they go through the final door, that arch was there from a wedding that had been held just a few weeks ago. And so all they did was kind of just spruce it up. And Michael Schur, the creator of the show, he was like, it just felt like somebody knew we were coming. Like, it was just placed there for them. <laughs> Did they ever find out whose wedding? No. But I hope that whoever's wedding it is, like, they know. recognized it from the show or something. They're right. like, I swear that's our arch. <laughs> like, why, why couldn't we have gotten married and our arch been, I mean, we are married, but why right. couldn't our wedding arch, if we had one, have been used in the good place no because we got married 10 years too early that's true (laughs) but otherwise (laughs) but otherwise totally feasible also i love that mark evan jackson he doesn't even because he's sean and he never goes through the door that we see and uh because he's an eternal being maybe he gets to become human like michael 
I don't think he would like to be human <laughs> I don't like think Michael. So either. <laughs> As Eleanor says, nobody else is going to ask for this. <laughs> Michael's unique. But so Mark Evan Jackson, uh, he doesn't have any scenes in the Redwood Forest, but because he'd been hosting the podcast all along and because he's like a huge nerd about the show, like he loves it. He was like, can I come? I'll pay for my own flight, my own hotel room. I want to be there at like the ending of the show. And so I thought that was really cool because a lot of times as we're talking about the ending of the show, like the ending of the story of the show, it's also the ending of this time for the actors, the directors, the crew. Like there's this uh, finality that they have personally as well as their characters have. Yeah, I think Mike... uh, um not Michael, but um, Ted Danson even said that what's so interesting here is that, and, and it's probably true for a lot of finales, but that their goodbyes are mirroring um, their real world goodbyes. Do you think they like put a green door on their set? <laughs> they all left, <laughs> they walked, walked out. <laughs> so yeah, whenever you're ready is the finale episode. I like uh, Chidi's first line in the episode. He's He's teaching a bunch of people philosophy, and and some of them are the real philosopher um, or philosophy. Um, they were consultants, consultants for the show. For the show, but anyways, his first line there is "mortality offers meaning." So it, it's kind of like uh, one of those lines where you don't really need to pick up on it for the plot of the show. It's just like, oh, he's just teaching philosophy. But that's, I mean, that's the whole theme here: is that an ending is what's offering meaning. So I love that, and it's fitting to come from Chidi. Absolutely. And speaking of how the show itself was wrapping up, Michael Schur had contacted Todd May and, oh, I don't remember her first name, but the, so Todd May is a professor and so is uh, another professor named Professor Hieronyme, which her name just sounds like a Greek philosopher. I'm pretty sure she's a time traveler. Yeah. yeah. She, <laughs> she's an immortal being, being who's been teaching philosophy for centuries. It's fine. <laughs> um, but... So I love that they have been, and Michael Schur, like talked with them and um, Hieronyme, she mentioned that she was super, I was reading an article on the New York Times by a um, writer named Sam Anderson, and he does a whole thing about why The Good Place is the best show on television. That's a really great article. Nice. But I found it because in the final podcast episodes, Mike Schur mentions that when he's feeling down about himself or about the show or he's questioning things, he'll go and like reread this article <laughs> that came out after season two, I think. And uh, he, I love that. I was like, oh, well, now i got to find the, epi- uh, the article. Yeah. And it's a really good one. Um, but he quotes Professor Hieronyme as saying that she was like so impressed by how genuine Mike sure was like how much he really wanted to understand this philosophy stuff like it wasn't just like a give me a couple lines that sound like philosophy it was like he really wanted to understand it as best as he could to make this show really work and, and it shows it's like it's totally underpinning the entire show uh, each episode is a little philosophy lesson really like it's it's not throwaway at all. Oh yeah. Mark Evan Jackson mentions many times on the podcast that this show should not exist. Yeah. Like if you were to pitch it to a studio and you're like, well, we're going to teach about philosophy and ethics Yeah. and they're in the good place, but they're actually in the bad place. And then everybody like, um, no, this <laughs> doesn't work. <Yeah. laughs> but because Mike sure was given kind of carte blanche after all of his other successful shows to just do what he wanted he had enough clout yeah Yeah. and it's just amazing that he was gutsy enough to go with this crazy idea but um i love that 
anyways, back to my point, just that the show is wrapping up. And so they wanted to bring on, for the finale, they wanted to bring on everybody that they could that had some kind of importance to the show. So whether it was, you know, cast members that you only had there for one episode or whether it's people like these two um, professors of, of moral ethics and as consultants that they got to be on for just their quick little lines there. So in case you're wondering, Professor Hironame is the one who says, uh, bring your ponchos, it gets messy, <laughs> about the trolley problem uh, demonstration. And <laughs> my other favorite is that, like Todd May is the one that Todd May's like, well, I think it says, he's like correcting Chidi on what the book says. Mm-hmm. And Eleanor's like, I think Chidi knows. And and then Todd May's like, well, it was my book. <laughs> but I love that it was his book in real life that they were talking about. <laughs> so in this episode, the main characters are each in turn trying to decide when it's time for them to walk through the door. Whenever you're ready. Um, to go through the door whenever they're ready to move on to end whatever that means so first we have jason and although we later learn he didn't actually walk through the door <laughs> but he was the first to be ready yeah he's the first one to be ready um and then next we had tahani and i love that you know before she decides to go through the door her good place bucket list is all these things that she wants to learn and master and you be good skip at over jason's ending well he didn't go through the door <laughs> i'm going in chronological order it was a fake out he didn't actually go through mm, i guess that's fair um but i want to talk about everybody's i feel like even more than when they go through the door is the point when they realize they're ready to okay go we can talk the door. about jason if you want yeah i just love that jason's moment of being ready to go through the door is when he plays the perfect madden game <laughs> And after that, and the you know the Jackson Jaguars win on his perfect Madden game. That is when he reaches this sense of clarity that yeah. he's accomplished everything <laughs> he could possibly desire to accomplish. And uh, his line, Casey, is so beautiful that he says at his going away party, and he says that the uh, Chidi asks Jason, "Well, how did you know that you were ready to go?" And Jason says. It wasn't like a big moment. It was just that all of a sudden the air inside my lungs felt the same as the air outside. It's such a simple but like beautiful way to describe peace and calm. Like you're not rushing to do anything. You just feel centered. Yeah. And so I really love his little moment. Well, he becomes a he becomes a Buddhist monk. <laughs> like he becomes he starts you know For the reciting thousand whatever years and, in the woods and, that he hangs out. Yeah. However, however many baramis that he spends in the woods, we learn that he's he's actually become a monk unwittingly, and uh, it's fantastic. I do like the way they have each character's endings definitely mirror their beginnings. Right. Um, like, there's even the shot of him in the woods alone, just skipping rocks. Yeah. When in one of the earlier, um, what do they call them? Seasons? Well, yes, earlier seasons, but I would say one of the other earlier, like, Times, oh, reboots. Uh, reboots, that's the word, mm-hmm. yeah. One of the earlier reboots of The Bad Place. He is stuck with a monk as his companion, and it, like, drives him nuts. Like, mm-hmm. this guy is just sitting there skipping stones, and he's, like, so bored out of his mind. <laughs> but then here he is at the end of his life, or the end of his existence, and he's feeling at peace doing that. Um, Michael Schur said that it made sense to him that Jason would be the first one to go, just because he's... Uh, like the most innocent of all of them or like he has um, I don't know if innocent is the right word but like he just doesn't have as much of a journey to take like he is a genuinely just 
what I'm looking for. Like, not naive either, but like he's a simple, maybe like simple, like he has simple goals in life. He's just, so it made sense to him that he'd be like the first, the ready to go. So you got Jason. So the next is Tahani. And I love that Tahani, her, she has her bucket list of things she wants to do in the good place. Talents she wants to master and hobbies and skills. But Tahani, her whole life was spent wanting to do things, but not for herself. It was meant to, you know, she was trying to impress someone, usually her parents. So I love that her bucket list here is, it's just for her. It's just for Tahani. She's reached this point where everything she does is just to better herself or to to feel good for herself and not to try to impress anybody. And I love that. I think you have to think back to Tahani and I think it's season two, where there's the episode where they're at the lake house and they're trying not to let... Well, they're trying not to let the four humans... So maybe it's episode, yeah, it's episode two, or season two, where they're trying not to let the four humans know uh, that something's going on. I don't remember. So this is when, like, Eleanor's good place is set up, and they're trying to experiment to see if people improve. Oh, yeah. And That's Tahani... season three, I think. Is it season three? But season three's on Earth. Wait, Eleanor's good place? Yeah. Like with... With, um, like in Mindy St. Clair's backyard. Oh, that's like season four. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I feel like it all happens earlier than you think because... Oh, I guess that's true because the Earth stuff is more season... Like end of season two. Or maybe beginning of season three? Season three. Season one is, you know, season one. Uh-huh. Season two is <laughs> is all the reboots. Season three is on Earth. Here's the thing about this show. season four is Eleanor's architecture. Archi- being the architect. Yeah, or not the architect, yeah. but being sort of running the show. Yeah, here's the thing about this whole show is that its pacing is insane. Yeah. Where another show would have gone on for eight seasons, like double the length. This one would put, this show puts like what would be a series finale episode in like the middle of each season. And you're like, well, what the heck are they going to do with the show now? (laughs) We're only halfway through the season. Like, we're so trained to expect this final blow to drop on the season finale that it is just, like, the pacing is just crazy because then it's like, oh, whoa. Now they have to take it somewhere completely new, and it's always so unexpected. Anyways, what were you saying but anyways, about... Tahani at the lake house, she is telling Eleanor that she... Um, Eleanor had tried to get her to do something else, I don't remember, but Tahani's saying that she feels like she doesn't know how to do anything. Like, she says, Eleanor, look at you. You can take charge. You can take command. You've figured all this out. And Tahani's like, I don't really know how to do anything other than throw a good party. And that's about it. So I love that we see Tahani at the end fulfilling her list, reaching all her potential, and accomplishing absolutely everything she wants to. And she thinks once her bucket list is done, she's like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go through the door. And then she almost does. She also reaches clarity with her parents. True. And that's a big one for her. And she's got to spend, what did she say, a thousand great moments with her parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, she thinks she's ready to go through the door. But she decides that's not what she wants to do. She wants to become an architect like Michael. And to help people for real. Again, not helping people to appear charitable or to impress anybody, but to just actually help people. Exactly, to genuinely help people. So that's like her moment of ultimate growth, is that she wants to help people as an architect versus in life where she was like pretending to help people to make herself look good. I love the moment, speaking of little endings, where Michael gives Tahani the peacock bow tie to wear. Because clearly, as an architect, you need to have a bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have Chidi next. And Chidi starts to realize he's ready. But this is where the show gets sad, man. I love it so much. It's so good. It makes but me it's so like... happy. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, Eleanor won't let him make that decision to end. She mm-hmm. she won't allow that to happen. She can tell he's getting there. Yeah. He's feeling it. So she starts to pressure Chidi into staying. And she takes him to, to Athens and then to Paris. Um, and, you know, he's telling her, like, I'm I'm ready. It's time. And she's like, nope, I won't have any of that. And Chidi, because She he's... gives the saddest story on the Paris Bridge where she's like, I was alone my whole life. Yeah. And I say I like it that way, but I really don't. And so then Chidi, being the kind person that he is, is like, okay, well, then I'll stay. No big deal. I'll stay. <laughs> and while you're, like, simultaneously feeling happy that Eleanor doesn't have to go through the ending yet, you're also feeling bad because Chidi's ready to go. Yeah. I think this is such a human thing to want people or wink-wink TV shows to stay around forever to not end. We don't like we don't like things to end because it's sad, and it is sad. You know, and, and we'll do anything to keep them here and that's Eleanor's really her her final big problem is to accept the okayness of endings their value to accept that um, it's okay to move on and you know and that's really the final problem of the whole of the whole series is her trying to discover the endings are okay yeah I mean Eleanor's whole life was like her addiction to selfish behavior like putting herself first always and forever. And so for her learning how to put Chidi's needs before hers is like her final moment of growth. Yeah. And I love that we see uh, she mentions the end of the book that keeps coming back up, uh, What We Owe to Each Other by, do you remember the author name? Scanlon. Yes, um, Scanlon. And uh, she mentions that the final sentence of that book is that... um, Oh, I didn't write it down. Let's see if I can remember it. Um, working out the terms of moral justification is a never-ending task. And she talks about how she's trying to impose this rule that Chidi's can't leave because it will make Eleanor's sad. And so it just goes back to her, but she's saying that that's a selfish rule. And she has come so far, she's not that selfish person anymore. Um, and she's also... But she, at the same time, has this really strong connection to Chidi that... She tried really hard to have no serious connections to anyone on Earth. That was kind of a uh, another one of her like ways of protecting herself in her own selfish behavior. And so here she's not only recognizing that she's being selfish to Chidi's needs, but she's willing to have finally found this fantastic connection and be willing to let it go. I think the fun irony here is that Chidi is finally at this point um, in his afterlife where he can make decisions without paralysis and the show even makes a point of that when he's talking with his friend and his friend's surprised gd can make these decisions and even this decision the biggest one ever of deciding to move on you know he finally has the self-actualization to do it and then that's the time when eleanor won't let him make that decision <laughs> at least at first uh, but then yeah like you said she she reads the book i i love that it's you know here at the finale of chidi's life in the finale of this show she reads the last line in the book that's been so important through the series to finally decide to let him go. Oh, yeah. It's where it comes back full circle. One of the books that started everything. Um, the, the book, What We Owe to Each Other, is actually what uh, Professor Hieronyme wrote her thesis on. Oh. Because the Scanlon was one of her advise, like her advisor at Harvard or Yale or wherever. And in that article I was talking about, the New York Times one, she says that she was 
so impressed that like as the show it says as the show progresses what we owe to each other becomes a recurring character popping up on screen at several crucial plot points again this was written after like season two yeah (laughs) but it says this amazed hieronyme the last thing she had expected to see was her dissertation advisor's book featured prominently on a network sitcom Uh, watching at home hieronyme was pleased with the show's evolution and it quotes her and says What's going to save the characters is the relationships they have with one another, she said. That seems exactly right to me. And it is. It is this little team cockroach that has gotten each other through all the way to the end here. And they're supporting each other as they go through the ultimate ending as well. Yeah, so Eleanor finally lets Chidi, she decides to let go and let him make the decision for himself. And then we get the greatest monologue about death of all time. And Chidi says, picture a wave in the ocean. You can see it, measure it, its height, the way the sunlight refracts as it passes through, and it's there, you can see it, and you know what it is, it's a wave. And then it crashes on the shore, and it's gone. But the water is still there. The wave was just a different way for the water to be for a little while. That's one conception of death for a Buddhist. The wave returns to the ocean where it came from, and where it's meant to be. And then Eleanor says, not bad, Buddhists. And Chidi says, not bad. None of this is bad. And I just love that. The ending's... Endings are sad, but endings are not bad. I love it too. Okay, there's a lot I want to talk about in that scene. Okay, let's talk about <laughs> it. Let's let's dive in first. Let's say it makes me cry heavily. More than I think that scene made me cry more than I've ever cried at any piece of fiction. I think really Coco gets you. Yes, I think the only thing that comes the close. The ones about death, Casey. I think not just death, but existentialism and and <laughs> the ending of souls. Like yes. the stakes are huge. I think that's why it gets me so hard. Is that I don't think there's a show that has bigger stakes than The Good Place because it's that's fair. It's not just life and death. It's it's souls and 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 not just their, their own souls, but everyone. everyone's mm-hmm. souls. Yes, and the difference between eternal torture and and some sort of salvation and but yeah, Coco comes close. And they, they both have a, a, some, some similarities in their DNA, but I don't think anything's made me cry like this scene. So one of the things that Michael Schur talks about is that this show, while it's very, uh, they use Western philosophy for most of the philosophy and ethics of the show. That's what Chidi studies. But he's talking about how his, uh, the view of the afterlife that they create for the show is definitely more Eastern religious um, especially when it comes to the idea of rebirth and reincarnation. And I mean, you think about like the reboots that yeah. happen and how they grow and progress. And and so a lot of that, I mean, it makes sense that in that final, and he mentions what book he read that was talking about Buddhists in the waves. And I don't remember what book it was, but he was talking about how he, how he loved that idea of the wave. And he knew that he wanted that to be in the finale, but he was having trouble writing this final episode. And he, so he took like a, a mini vacation and he was like, I think I just need to stare at the waves, right? Because <laughs> he had that idea. And so he, he books a little, you know, hotel in, I think he said it was Miami or Malibu, one of the two, not Miami, that's in Florida, Malibu. Um, so he books a little hotel in Malibu and so he can like see the ocean out his window and he can like walk down to the beach and he's, you know, but he was still feeling very stuck on this um, show. And his wife, Jennifer Philbin, I believe is her name. She's also a writer, a screenwriter. 
And he said that she does this thing where for each episode that she's writing, she will find a song that kind of like encapsulates the whole, the feeling that the episode, that she wants to bring to the episode. And she will listen to it for days as she like writes the episode. And so as he was feeling really stuck, she told me, she's like, well, you need to find a song. You need to find a song to listen to that will help. And so the song he was just, you know, happened upon was the one that's playing while they're talking about waves. Oh, wow. So that song is Spiegel im Spiegel by Arvo Part, and he's a, an Estonian compo- composer. And so this song was written in 1978, and it was written for just a, a violin and a piano. And so it's got this really calming effect to it. And I just had assumed that it was David Schwartz music because all of his music is so good throughout the entire series. And Michael Schur says that he that they use David Schwartz music 95% of the time because it's always exactly what they want. Um, but this was the one moment where he had found this song and he listened to it for days. Like as he's sitting on the beach watching surfers, as he's getting a snack, as he's writing the final show. And this is the song that he was listening to and and thinking about. And as he was talking about it, I was like, oh, I I need to go. I paused the podcast and I was like, I need to go listen to it again. But because the podcast was already pulled up on Spotify, I went and listened to it on YouTube, which I almost never do. Uh, I don't usually like search things on YouTube anymore. But I looked it up, Casey, and there's... So they have this song playing... And it is has like 3,000 comments on this song on YouTube. And the very first comment that popped up was like, says, this is the most wholesome comment section on all of YouTube. <laughs> and it's so funny because then I was like, oh, well, now I need to like read the comments. And it is incredible how many people were like, I found this song right after my mom passed. Or I found this song like when I was dealing with this really tough struggle. Or I found this song when, and it was just like, made me teary-eyed like reading all the comments because you could just feel the emotions that this song was bringing out for everybody both in a calming and peaceful effect and also in a giving them hope and that things are going to be okay kind of way anyways it's making me choke up right here again. <laughs> now you're crying <laughs> but none of this is bad but none of this is bad and so that song is just uh one of my new favorites i've like listened to it a lot over the last few days So if you need a good cry, you can go listen to that song and read all the comments on YouTube. <laughs> and then there were tons of comments were like, how many people are here because of the good place? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it just was the perfect song. It seemed to be like a universal song for endings and new beginnings. I love that. So after Chidi leaves. Wait, we have to talk about Chidi going through the door though, Casey. Okay. Because I feel like this is huge. Not only, I mean, we've mentioned it. He makes this big decision. He's like, yeah, I'm ready. That's fine. Mr. Paralyzed between choosing between two hats for the judge's test is just like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing when they get to the woods and Janet does her little, you can sit on the bench for as long as you want. And then whenever you're ready, (laughs) walk through the door. And he's like, I'm ready. Like he doesn't even need to sit on the (laughs) bench. He is so ready. 
And uh, Mike Sure pointed out that he was adamant that he didn't want to give any of the actors directions on how to walk through the final door. Like he wanted them to just bring their own sense of the character to it and, and do it how they wanted to. And he was saying that he can't remember how many takes they took, but that it was just perfect to him that Chidi, Mr. Professor, Mr. Thinks a lot, would just kind of put his hands in his pocket <laughs> and just methodically just like walk straight through the door, no big deal. And he said that it was one of his favorite ending moments just because it felt so perfectly cheaty to him and that he gave no direction on that to uh, the actor. What's his name? William Jackson Harper. William Jackson. I, was, I got the Jackson Harper and I couldn't remember his first name. <laughs> What's with all the three names, Casey? Mm-hmm. And Jackson's and two of yes. them. Yes. Yeah. Mark Evan Mark Jackson. Mark Evan Jackson. William Jackson Harper. William Jackson Harper. Oh, now I'm just sad about Cheaty leaving. I just like need a second because <laughs> it, it destroys me. I know I said none of this is bad, but it definitely feels sad. The only good place is that we can go back to the beginning and start all over again. <laughs> I was going to mention that later. Does it give you yes. hope, Casey? Because I, I, we've joked about this before, that like you feel like such a cheaty. You guys relate, like you relate to him. Hmm. Like uh, anxiety and indecision and, and other things like that. That if he can at some point become this confident evolved version of himself does it make you feel like you can too casey yeah it does now that you say that i think every time i've watched this finale i'm so distraught about him leaving that i'm not really thinking too much about where he is as a character if that makes sense like Mm. i watch it as eleanor in a way like yes begging him as an audience member to stay but yeah if i think about him as a character and where he is now versus in the past yeah absolutely i think it's I think it's completely hopeful. I think it brings me so much peace watching each of these characters progress to a point where they've learned and done everything that they want to do and that they feel at peace with themselves. Like, I feel like the the ending that The Good Place uh, gives us as a show, that that ending is, like, pretty darn near aligned with my own personal idea of what mm. an afterlife would be like. Like, if I think about it, it's like, yeah, I don't want to sit in heaven as, like, an angel with a harp. Like, how terribly boring would that be? But the idea that you can still progress and learn and grow, and then at the very end of your time still have a little bit of influence for good on the world and other people around you. Like, yeah, that's that's all I want. Okay, so before we get to that final scene, <laughs> so after Chidi leaves, um, and Jason is now an accident, an accidental monk, and he leaves. Michael wants to end. And he's he'll do whatever he can, can do to end. But he tries to walk through the door and nothing happens. And so um, Eleanor, you know, ever the savior, asks the judge if she can make Michael human, which is his greatest wish. To him, being human would be the good place. And um, so that eventually also he can end just like his friends. And I think that's beautiful. So he gets to become human. He goes down to earth. Well, I wanted to mention um, in that final scene there, it's interesting that it, or not the final, but like the uh, the scene where Eleanor's talking to Michael, like she's about to propose this idea to him. Yeah. And she says, Michael, come on in. And he's the only one that hasn't had that line said to him throughout the show until this point. So that feels like a nice little closed loop right there. And then she invites him in and they have set up his office with all of his favorite human stuff. 
And in the office, um, she says this, like, this dialogue is almost exactly like it is when she finds out that it's the bad place. Oh. She says, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. And she says that exact same thing again. <laughs> but then instead of saying, you know, they're never going to call a train, she says, Michael, you're never going to be at peace until you've had your ultimate goal. And she says, you know, your biggest desire. And she says, you know, you're going to be a, a real boy, Pinocchio, <laughs> which I just love. Um, and also, speaking of endings, we have to talk about, because um, we see, it's really interesting, the ending that we don't get is Janet's, because she's not a girl and also not a robot. And so she's this entirely different being that will stay there. And I mean, I guess um, Tahani is still there as well in a different capacity. Um but, so we don't really get Janet ending as a character, but we see her ending with each of them. Um, so like with Jason, she explains to him that she w- won't be sad that he's going just because when she thinks about him, those memories will be like as if she was living them all over again. It's because Janet's Netflix. <laughs> Basically. Because, because she can see the beginning, middle, and end whenever she wants to. And mm-hmm. we can watch the show beginning, middle, and or end as much as we want to. Exactly. But I think while that moment is touching, my favorite Janet moment is when she's getting Michael ready to like send him down to earth because it's so cute. Like there's a moment in one of the other episodes when, oh, Janet's malfunctioning because, oh, because she loves Jason, but she doesn't really remember it. And she's having trouble like counseling Jason and Tahani. And Jason, uh, Janet's like, you need to reboot me. And Michael just, he physically cannot do it. And she's like, but why? Like, she doesn't make sense to her. And he goes, you know, the reason is friends. (laughs) That's the reason. The reason is friends. And so seeing this final little scene between the two of them is just so cute. And I love that it's not so much a goodbye because, I mean, she knows that eventually Michael will come back to a point where, um, you know, he's in the good place again. And she will be able to see him again. So she's kind of expecting that that homecoming at some point. But the way Michael Schur describes it is that he wanted this moment to be more like a parent talking to their kid who's going off to college. Um, So it's this idea like, do you have everything you need? You've got your wallet, your cell phone, you know, and and I put money in your bank account. Like it feels like once he said that, I was like, oh, it totally feels like a parent sending their kid off to college. Like, you expect them to be fine, and it's a good learning and growing experience, but you're also, like, really nervous about them. And she's like, and don't get the insurance. If you rent a car, don't get the insurance. It's a scam. Like, some final imparted wisdom. But I just love their cute little, because they're just the best of friends at this point. They've been through everything together. So I love her little send-off to Michael there, that little farewell. Um, We also need to mention, I almost forgot... This is huge. Speaking of endings, Eleanor warns Michael that they don't actually know what will happen when he's on Earth. Yeah. You'll live some amount of time. You'll die. You'll take the test. You'll go through the whole system. She's like, or so we think. Like, we don't know. Sean could throw a coup. The whole system could be completely <laughs> different. Like, you won't actually know what will happen. And uh, Michael says that that's what makes it special. I won't really know what's going to happen to me. Nothing is more human than that. Love it. So it goes back to that same idea of not knowing, being like part of the mystery, but also part of what makes us try our best. And knowing that there's an end, but that it's also unknowable. Yeah, exactly. So as you said, Michael goes through the door. 
He's down on Earth. He's now Michael Realman, <laughs> which is just fantastic. You don't see that until you see his piece of let, like his letter at the very end. Yeah. Where, um, where he gets his rewards card in the mail. But before we get there, Eleanor we get there. decides now it's time for her to go through the door. She's saved all her friends in one way or another, and well, she's she realized ready. she's stuck. And she's trying to figure out, well, why am I not ready? And then she's, she goes and talks to Mindy St. Clair. Yeah, that's true. Forgot and about that part. she's like, I feel like my final thing is to help you. Because you are, like to her, Mindy St. Clair is what she could have become. A lone wolf uh, who only cares about herself and, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so, like, she feels like if she can get Mindy to decide to take the test and go through the system, then, then she will feel complete. And Mindy feels okay with that because Tahani is the one who will give her the, you know, be her architect. And I love the super sweet line where Mindy St. Clair says, you know, thank you, Eleanor, for caring about me because I don't really give a care about myself. So it's nice that someone does. And so that kind of goes back to Professor Hieronyme's thing that like their relationships, their connections between each other will be what saves them. Love that. This whole show, man. It's all so <laughs> poignant and beautiful, but then so hilarious too. Mark Evan Jackson calls it like the most beautiful show, like wrapped up in a nine year old fart joke. Like it's just this <laughs> like it just shouldn't work. And Sam Anderson talks about that a lot in his in his New York Times article that like this show shouldn't work because they're trying to do the two ends of the spectrum, the serious moral dilemma and the, you know, fart joke comedy, like, and yet it just succeeds on every level. So Eleanor goes through the door. She goes through the door. Here's what I love is that, like I was mentioned earlier, that the idea that even once you're your personal journey has finished like the idea that your essence can be in these little michael sure describes them as like a little firefly of energy and wisdom and he says they very specifically didn't want to say well this is 100 percent what happens because they say in the ending we don't know what happens there's quite a bit of ambiguity to and he ending. says in the show like in the making of the show we didn't want to say well here's what happens because obviously we don't know yeah we're, we're human um, but he says that potentially this little firefly of energy and wisdom from the people who have passed on before, that it could go and influence those others on Earth to do some good. And he said he didn't want to explain exactly what that meant because the joy is in the mystery. So we watch this one little firefly from Eleanor make it down to Earth into this place that looks like it has a dry heat. And this guy clearly gets the wrong piece of mail throws it away, and then the little firefly kind of brushes him on the shoulder, and he decides to get the piece of letter, you know, the piece of mail out of the garbage and walk it over to the other apartment. Casey, I can't remember the name of the apartment complex. I don't, I'm it's not sure. It's something in Italian, but whatever it was, they pointed out in the episode, in the podcast, that uh, it was the Italian word, it's something vista, but it's the Italian word for cockroach. So it's like cockroach oh. views. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say it's like Italian for good place, but I think no. cockroach is even better. Yes, because they are team cockroach. So clearly that's where Michael would like choose to live there. 
because it would have a significant significance. Maybe to he him. runs it. Maybe he built it. Maybe. Um, but he. So the the guy who gets the letter, he walks over to Michael's door, and Michael Realman is so excited to get his rewards card, and he tells the guy, "With all the love and wisdom of the universe." Take it sleazy. And, and that is the final the door closes line. and that's the end of The Good Place. <laughs> I do want to mention, um, because I'm not ready to talk about the end of The Good Place, Casey. Oh, I have many more m- oh, good. thoughts okay. to go into. Yeah. Um, so I love that Michael um, learns to ask for help. I think that's one of his big personal flaws. Uh, he's an all-knowing demon. He cannot understand why... These humans keep besting him, and he's can't figure things out on his own, but he's really like hesitant to ask for help. So I love when you see that he grabs a, you know, he's been struggling to learn to play the guitar in The Good Place forever. Like, he even has a little recorder out, and he says, take 803. And you're almost <laughs> like, is this a reboot it's again? Just like, reboot, like, is it yeah. a flashback? Is it a, you know, what is going on? But it's his 803rd take at trying to write the song about the purple train to groovy town or whatever it is. It's about some, yeah. marshmallows and, <laughs> um, and cats in space or something. Yeah. Yes. Which is apparently a whole song that Dave Schwartz and Michael Schur wrote that does exist. Um, but so he just takes this little, so when he's on earth as a human, he takes this little tab from the guitar, you know, want to learn to play the guitar flyer and he takes one and he is willing to ask for help. And he's, um, he's talking to, I don't, I don't think they give the guitar teacher's name, but it's his, it's, uh, Ted Danson's and, yeah. wife in real life, Mary. And uh, I love her line that she said, he's like, oh, I've been trying to figure out that chord for so long. And she says, well, everybody needs a teacher. And I think that goes back to like that one line for me encapsulates so much of the show. Eleanor seeks out Chidi to help learn how to be a better person. And you've got, you know, uh, Michael who has to figure out how to ask for help and learn things. And, and they as a whole group just need each other. They need those connections to make it through and to make it work. Um, but so I love her idea, her line that says that everybody needs a teacher. Um, and at that same moment, you get kind of uh, Eleanor doing like a, an overlay narration when she's talking about like, well, how do you think, they're talking about like, how do you think Michael's, she and Janet are talking about how do you think oh, yeah. Michael's doing? And she says that, you know, he's probably having some good days and some bad days. Um, and she says, hopefully learning to ask for help when he needs it. Uh, which is when he grabs the little guitar flyer piece. And then she says, you know, messing up and trying again. Like that idea of messing up and trying again and just be willing to try. To reboot. To reboot. To do it again. To reincarnate. To do whatever it takes. To just try a little bit and be a little bit better. I think it's more than fitting that a show with the finale exploring the importance and necessity of endings is a show that had the ending planned early on you know it was never going to be a show that ran and ran until all its steam was gone because then the show itself would have become one of the joyless husks in the actual good place the show has greater value and importance because it had a pre-planned journey and destination you can contrast this with other shows that michael sure um you know, he was a writer for it. Like he was the showrunner here in The Good Place. Um, he, he also worked heavily on 
The Office and Parks and Rec and both of those shows kept going and going until there was nothing left. You know, I think for the record, I, I like, I think Parks and Rec is a little more consistent than The Office. Um, but, I, you know, I think The Office came a bit of a happiness zombie by the end. Um, and I like them both a lot, but I, I think that there is extra value in The Good Place because it had that ending planned. And, you know, I just... Like, like, I'm not here to vilify any other shows. I just think that, um, you know, I'm just saying Michael Shore had a, a true blueprint here and it really shows and it works. Just like Eleanor said, vacations are only special because they end. The good place is special because it ends and it ends the way it was meant to end. And, you know, that is so rare for big network shows. People were surprised when they said, you know, the good place is ending on purpose. That was huge. That never happens. I remember us being surprised. We're like, what? Only one more season? I was ecstatic. And then we were yeah. like, I feel like, yeah. And then, I guess at first you're kind of sad. I was like, yeah. oh, that means so. But then I was like, okay, that means they can end it on their own terms and how they want to end it. Do you know what other show has a great beginning, middle, and end that also features a, char- features a character played by Tia Sarkar? Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> Also, also four, four seasons. seasons. Yeah, she's That's the, the magic. She's the good ingredient here. Um, no, but in so in June 2019, so that was the summer before the final season of The Good Place started airing. Um, Michael Shore tweeted, and I'm going to read his tweet. He says, after The Good Place was picked up for season two, the writing staff and I began to map out as best as we could the trajectory of the show, given the ideas we wanted to explore and the pace at which we wanted to present those ideas. I began to feel like four seasons, just over 50 episodes was the right lifespan. At times over the past few years, we've been tempted to go beyond four seasons, but mostly because making the show is a rare, creatively fulfilling joy. And at the end of the day, we don't want to tread water just because the water is so warm and pleasant. As such, the upcoming fourth season will be our last. I will be forever grateful to NBC and Universal TV for letting us make The Good Place and for letting us end it on our own schedule. I want to repeat that one line. We don't want to tread water just because the water is so warm and pleasant. That's exactly what Team Cockroach finds when they get to the good place. All these joyless husks treading water because the water is pleasant, but you're still treading water. Um, yes. I love when art imitates life or life imitates art. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing is meta. Like the, you know, really the entire show is about endings. It's a show about the afterlife. It's a show about after what happens after you die. It's after your end. It's, you know, it's simultaneously about how endings give value and how nothing truly ends you know it can be both things because it's more of a shift or a change than ceasing to exist that's how i interpret it but yeah because i don't think eleanor or any of them walk through the door just cease to exist but they shift and change in a massive way we as the audience get to follow eleanor through the final door and although though like we talked about the show doesn't really show exactly what happens next um she she breaks up into the tiny points of light or becomes one of those lights and we watch as that light heads down to earth the bob light falls on the man he decides to take the mail out of the garbage and then he takes it to michael and i love this final scene for two really big reasons first the last line is you know take it sleazy which of course is a callback to what Michael has always wanted to say as a human. It's one of those things he always wanted to experience was being able to say, take it sleazy. But it's also a, a colloquialism of goodbye. He's saying goodbye. And the second reason why I adore this final scene is, is a more subtle callback. In an earlier season, Eleanor talks about how her conscience, you know, she calls that little voice in the back of her head. The series ends by showing us that Eleanor becomes the voice in the back of someone's head. Ooh, I like that. And, you know, she... Eleanor leaves the good place to become a good thought. And 
now the show itself, it's it's still rewatchable. It becomes the voice in the back of our heads and, you know, the, the good thoughts of, of the good place. And as Chidi says, the good place is having enough time with the people we love. So we can come back to the show anytime, you know, with these characters we love as many times as we want. Welcome back. Everything is fine. Exactly. But it's still sad. But none of it is bad. None of it is bad. <laughs> there are so many great just little morals and messages throughout this entire show uh, that, that bring me so much happiness because you're like, wow, that's so profound. And then they counter it with a line like, take it sleazy. And right. um, it's just so funny. Also in that scene, he his apartment has a red door, mm. which is like the considered kind of like the opposite of all like the green doors in the good place where you can do anything and imagine anything and so they're talking about the opposition that like that red door is kind of um like there's limitations to your humanness like you can't just have or do everything anymore that's not necessarily a bad thing the show makes me sad and i'm sad that it's over but it's also again it should have ended and it ended the way it was meant to and in that same um, existential crisis episode of season two when Eleanor's thinking about her experience with death and her own existential crisis. She says, and if you try to ignore your sadness, it just ends up leaking out of you anyway. I've been there. Everybody's been there. So don't fight it. In the words of a very wise Bed Bath & Beyond employee I once knew, go ahead and cry all you want, but you're going to have to pay for that toilet plunger. <laughs> oh, this show's so good. As Sam Anderson says in his New York Times article, If Seinfeld was a show about nothing, The Good Place is a show about everything, including and especially growing and learning. And that's the whole thing. They just have to keep learning and growing and experiencing the sadness with the happiness, with the, you know, the crying into a plunger, with getting into the good place elation. Like, there's continual ups and downs and learning and growing the whole time. And I think that's why we relate to it and love it so much is that it is such a human show. It talks about every bit of the human condition and how we deal with it. Well, you ready to close out the episode? You ready to end the episode? That's another ending, Casey. We thought this would be fitting for the end of the year, the end of 2020, to do an episode about endings. And if there's anything we've learned about the year 2020... It's that we all have plenty to learn and grow. That's true. And I was going to say, this doesn't mean the podcast is ending. So I hope no. <laughs> that wasn't the impression of, of the episode. But uh, yeah, anywho. Media recommendations. We recommend you rewatch The Good Place. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Go re-experience it and then go listen to the podcast. I can genuinely recommend The Good Place, the podcast, especially if you love all the behind the scenes stuff. You can become a patron of Hello From Elsewhere by going to patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere as mentioned earlier we have so many awesome fun tiers we do awesome giveaways every month i just said awesome a lot but it really is awesome yeah prizes rewards happy day i don't know what to say (laughs) about about the giveaways but they're a lot of fun it's so fun and we've been doing hangouts with our patrons and we even watched quest for camelot with our patrons uh, yeah netflix party the other day and so many fun things and these are all some of the things we don't really list on the patreon page because there's the official tier rewards and those all happen for sure but then there's just fun little bonuses that we get because our patrons are our friends and we enjoy them and it's the best part about doing this podcast so we'd love it if you would join our patreon 
We'd also love it if you give us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It's a huge help to getting the word out and spreading the podcast. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at elsewhere underscore pod. Our cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can find his graphics on Instagram at graphite.vmb. Hello from Elsewhere is a proud member of WBNE. Visit WBNE.org for more fabulous podcasts like the fantastic D&D podcast, Late to the Party. This is an urgent message. If you or a loved one have been suffering from mild hallucinations, encountering what looked like a, a horde of zombies, lack of fine motor function, there was no parking, and I pulled up on the lawn and broke a sprinkler head. The inability to sit for long periods of time. Did you just break the chair? Jordan is holding a chair arm up. Roll to sit. Oh, did not do so good. Trouble using your tools. Are you going to take another smashy smash? I sure am. 13 probably doesn't hit. Does not hit. Sorry about the dice, Scott. <laughs> or existential crises. And I'm playing Sunny Days, a high elf cleric, a half elf cleric, a quarter elf cleric, a mostly human cleric, a mostly human but with a smidgen of elf cleric. You may be entitled to podcasts. Ask your doctor about Late to the Party, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast for the whole family. Available every other Monday on WBNE.org or wherever podcasts are sold. Well, it's time for us to walk through the door. <laughs> the final arch. Are we dying? We're just turning into <laughs> little balls of podcasting light. Little fireflies of love and wisdom yep. to help the next generation of people. And on that note, happy bear me. Happy bear me beeps. <laughs>